At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. 855, the number 4 G-A-R-T-E-N, as well as any social media. It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is also how you can get in touch with us as well and listen to the show every Sunday. We do our show right up until kickoff. It's Wannabet Weekend Edition, and we have a lot of different platforms that we're going to be doing over the new year. But hey, everybody, this is the last time I'll talk to you right before Christmas, so Merry Christmas to everybody. We will have a show next week um, before the new year, so I don't get any time off, and that's okay, right? I mean, uh, look, that, that's what we do. We're still here to make some money, and this is an interesting week, by the way. You guys that uh, do listen to me every each and every week, thank you very much. I love the support that I get. I like the feedback that I get, and yeah, I am feeling better. I know a lot of people um, did write me and ask me, am I feeling much better? I sound like like I'm feeling better, right? It wasn't even that I was so hurting as much as it just sounded. I mean, it sounded bad. It sounded really bad, and in my line of work, Sounding bad is not a good thing, <laughs> all right? So if you listen to last week's uh, show, thanks for dealing and kind of working through with it with me. Um, yeah, it, it's Christmas, and obviously the holidays are at the forefront, uh, but this is a good time to make some money. Usually, I, I always talk about the last week, even the last two weeks of the NFL season, can get a little dangerous with making money right until the playoffs, which I always think the playoffs are pretty easy to make some money. Um the last week, you don't know who's sitting down. A lot of times, motivation comes into play. The last week of the season gets a little dicey at times. But the the week before the last week can get dicey as well. There are teams that uh, kind of are locked into their positions. There are players that are sort of playing out the string. And it can get a little dicey. So this week, it might be the last opportunity that you have a full slate of games to really make really good money on. Now, you could pick and choose over the next two weeks um, after this to, to find some money before the playoffs, sure. But this is the, for the final week of all of the teams and all the games should be of some kind of importance one way or the other for most of these teams. And you will have the occasional, hey, Jalen Hurts is sitting out because where they have to lose kind of thing. It doesn't mean that Philly doesn't want to win, especially against Dallas, especially in that spot. So we'll go over all of the games here, uh, but just keep in mind that it, this is maybe the last week that we have. And look, we have a game Thursday. We have a ton of games on Saturday, games on Sunday, game on Monday. So we have the next few days. I know, obviously, people are going to be involved with Christmas, but, you know, 
Put your bets in early if you have to. And don't forget that you still can make some money this time. A couple of things I definitely wanted to talk about. Um, this week is going to be a lot of conversation about new quarterbacks. Nick Foles is starting. Gardner Mitchell is starting. Okay, uh, they are going to a, a Russell Wilson looks like he's going to be back. Uh, we know that Zach Wilson is going to be starting. So a lot of these quarterbacks and the quarterback shuffle is going on. So a lot of people are going to be talking about that. But the weather is also a major conversation piece on a lot of you know, the, the airwaves. And when you see negatives and you see single digits, it's shock value. It's people want to talk about. In Butte uh, this week, it was uh, in the middle of the day. Right. I mean, you know, it was about 11 o'clock or just about the middle of the day. It was negative 74 wind chill. Yeah. Negative 74 in Butte. So, you know, there is some shock value. No one's playing in Butte, but there's some shock value to the negative numbers and what it's going to quote unquote feel like, which is the new term. You know, it used to just be, okay, here's the temperature. And then it went to, well, we have a wind chill. And that was when I was a kid, you know, wind chill. Oh, well. You know, it's 32, but the windshield says uh, 21, uh, so it's even worse. Now it's feels like temperature. You get a lot of that in the summer as well. Well, it's 91, but it feels like 100. Okay, so the feels like is going to be a big topic of conversation. I can tell you this. Look, the weather generally doesn't impact, or at least the players and coaches don't think it impacts them. But there are certain things that you have to talk about when you're talking about negative numbers. Look, the ball is harder. It is harder to catch. Um, maybe not harder to throw, but it is harder to catch. When you're kicking, even kickoffs, not just field goals, kickoffs, it's, it's going to not go as far. You know, I mean, it hurts, right? It hurts your foot. It's like kicking a rock. So there are some small elements, but don't let them get you crazy about the negative temperatures. With that being said, uh, some of the outdoor games are going to be impacted here. Bills, Bears is supposed to feel like, remember, I'm not giving you the real temperatures. I'm giving you this, this nonsensical feels like, uh, about negative 10, negative 11 degrees. The Saints, Browns, negative 10. Seahawks, Chiefs, negative 6. Titans, Texans, 5 degrees. Falcons, Ravens, 6 degrees. Raiders, Steelers, 6 degrees. So, I mean, we are certainly dealing with some cold. And we'll start right there with the Thursday night game where the Jaguars and Jets are playing in a very cold situation. But it's not as much cold as it is, just nasty. It's going to be raining in New York. It's going to be crosswinds um, in New York or in New Jersey, we can say. And the line opened up basically as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Then the line was basically even. And now, look, the line's going to end where the Jets are about one-and-a-half or two-point favorite, depending on where you are. First of all, let's have the conversation. You don't have to take the points in this case. I mean, unless you're getting the three, I just wouldn't advise taking the points. Give me the money line. If you like the Jags, take the 115, 120 on the money line, depending on what you're getting out there. If it is 105 and you get a bad line, all right, maybe you want to lay that you know, and take the two points. I, I could understand that. But for me, anything under three points, and I am just a guy that goes, says, you know what, just give me the money line. I just want the money line. Um, actually, as a matter of fact, on Thursday night, you have Air Force who I got earlier in the week. You could have got them at plus six. I got them at plus five. Uh, but now I've seen it go down to three and a half, and the money line is actually only plus 120. Well, in that spot, give me the three and a half. You know, so so you have to tweak it out. But if it's under three, I'm usually taking the money line anyway. Jacksonville is making their late season push, right? And it's, uh, their late season push is based almost solely 
upon the absolutely intense play by Trevor Lawrence. Now, the defense got the winning touchdown last week. That was great. But look, Dallas scored all day on them. It was Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence has 111.2 passer rating, 71 completion percentage in his last six games. In his last six games, he also has 14 touchdowns and just one turnover. That is huge. Okay, just one interception over six games is enough to already say, wow, Trevor Lawrence has turned the corner. Jacksonville is 4-1-1 against the spread over that span of games. Nothing too surprising. If you don't turn the ball over, your quarterback is playing at an elite level, these things do happen. On the Jets' side, look, it's Zach Wilson. The Jets can run the ball, okay? Make no mistake about it. Zovan Knight and uh, Carter, they can run the ball. And they have weapons. Garrett Wilson is a weapon. Don't tell me that he's not. I mean, they have weapons. Their defense is fantastic. But Wilson is the problem. And it's not just that Wilson's play is the problem. It's how they design things around him. If you listen to Robert Sala, Coach Robert Sala of the Jets this week, basically, like he didn't say it in so many words, but basically he said, yeah, we're, we're going to be very careful with how much we give uh, to Zach Wilson. We're going to scale the playbook back. To me, that's you playing scared. I mean, you, you can't win games playing scared against lesser opponents, sure, but the Jacksonville Jaguars right now are not a lesser opponent. It is a road game. Okay, for a Jacksonville team. It is a midweek road game. It is bad elements for a team coming from Florida. I get it all. You know, it's a spot where normally I'd be taking the Jets. But I have just watched Trevor Lawrence grow up before my eyes. And I remember being at the forefront of, of I was I was the, the committee member that Trevor Lawrence was going to be an unbelievable pro. I actually went out there and said Trevor Lawrence is going to win MVP in his first three years in the league. I put money on it this year, okay? That Trevor Lawrence would maybe bounce back and just look ridiculous and put up MVP-type numbers. So I'm at the forefront of Trevor Lawrence, and I can't get over the fact that what I'm watching is the Trevor Lawrence that I believed existed. I believed would walk into this league and do exactly what he's doing right now. So I can't take the Jets, but I do understand the Jets' portion of this. Look, you could run the ball. You could mass Zach Wilson. You could play great defense, which they generally do. They're at home. It's nasty weather, which favors them and their running game. And, and if Zach Wilson can just not ruin the game and not throw the game away, maybe you take the Jets. I get the Jets' idea. I'm just kind of leaning Jacksonville here. Falcons, Ravens. Ravens at 9-5. and five. The Ravens are 9-5. and five. You can talk to Ravens fans out there. My buddy Tim, I talk to him uh, every single week. I, look, I talk to him a couple times a week. Um, and, and you look at it and you go, Ravens fans think the, the world is crumbling. They're 9-5, and five, guys. They're 9-5, and five, but they have not looked too good, right? And the Ravens are about a six-point favorite in this one. Lamar Jackson will not be coming back, right? It, it, he, he is dealing with this PCL injury, and what the PCL injury does, it limits speed and it limits the quickness, right? And it, it does take time to kind of come back. You remember uh, Schultz had this, Julio Jones had this, so you have a couple of guys that you look at. They can come back, and, and Jackson can come back, but maybe he re-injures it. Maybe he gets uh, you know a little bit banged up, and you don't want to risk that. But even if he was back, he's going to be dealing with a limited the limited portions of his game which make him the viable quarterback that he is. No one is ever going to suggest that Lamar Jackson should stay in the pocket and look downfield and just take a three-step drop, and that's it. No. Lamar Jackson's game which is exactly what most of the NFL is trying to become. But Lamar Jackson's game is quickness, is getting out. Even if he's not running the ball, which you want him to run the ball, is getting around in the pocket, making people miss. 
Well, that speed, that quickness has been sapped from him because of his PCL injury. So why rush him back? Right? I mean, why? That's kind of the the conversation that I think that they're having internally. Uh, the Ravens are 0-5 against the spread as a home favorite. They have not covered a lot this year. They've lost big leads. But I'm watching some certain things with this Ravens team, and I'm saying I- I'm enjoying what I'm watching as they're growing each and every week. J.K. Dobbins certainly does not have the explosiveness that he once had. He had an opportunity each of the last two games for big breakaway runs, and he just didn't look like he trusted his speed looking over the back shoulder. But that doesn't mean he's not effective. He had a great game last week, an absolutely great game, and he's the bell cow back right now, and you go to him and Edmonds. You can win with that formula. You could win on the defensive formula where their defense is finally getting healthy. And Roquan Smith absolutely looks the part of a Baltimore Raven. He looks like he's a guy that came in. He fits the scheme, fits the system, and he looks like the man. He really does. He, he Flying all over the field. But I do have to take some problem here with Harbaugh's use or lack thereof of Mark Andrews. It seems like every week I'm texting with my same Ravens buddy here. Every week I'm texting and I'm going, why have they not targeted Mark Andrews in the first half? And we're, we've gone quarters, we've gone halves, we, we've gone three quarters of a game where they just don't target him. So that's an interesting aspect of this game because, yes, you can run on the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons have major difficulty stopping the run. They're going to run all day, but they have major difficulty stopping the run. But you've got to be able to pass and open things up. And I'm not asking you as a backup or a backup quarterback, I'm not asking you to go deep. I'm not asking you to look downfield. I'm not asking you to have your eyes looking downfield and, and open things up like that. No, get Mark Andrews over the middle. The Atlanta Falcons are not very good against defending the tight end. I expect this to be a Mark Andrews game. On the other side, by the way, I said they're going to run, run, run it all day. We all know that they're going to run. They run more than any other team in the NFL. They're going to commit to the run. But Desmond Ritter looked okay. He looked okay. Look, I don't know what people expected about Desmond Ritter to come in. He's a guy that I don't know if anybody believed was ready to be a starting quarterback, but he's thrust into this position. Mariota's down, so it's Desmond Ritter's show. Desmond Ritter's show behind questionable targets out there. I mean, Drake London's good. He was the one that fumbled it last week. Kyle Pitts is out. You know, Sedarius is okay. Their running game, while effective, doesn't have any huge names, okay? They're being effective, but their offensive line is pretty good. And they went up against a pass rush last week that is six worst in uh, getting to the passer. I told you that. Six worse in creating confusion in his face. Well, the Ravens are top 10 there. And the Ravens are going to be coming after him. But he did look good. Ritter, 13 of 26. They didn't ask him to do too much. But 13 of 26, 97 yards. But he also had 38 yards on six carries running the ball. That could be the difference here. Now, you could sit back and tell me that Baltimore is used to the running game because they go up against Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley each and every week in practice. But it's not the same when you're going up against like a guy like Desmond Ritter that can pop it outside. And he's doing so out of necessity and sort of running for his life. Let's talk about Lions, Panthers. Lions are trying to get back into this thing, guys, right? And the Lions are going to be a three-point favorite here against the Panthers. Panthers' defense is still playing well. When they fired Matt Roll and Wilkes came in, we did a segment on the show where I sat back and I told you guys, look, I think the Panthers' defense is vastly underrated, and I thought they would be playing well. Jeremy Chin, to me, for my money, is one of the top five safeties in the game. Luvu in the middle has shown he is a fantastic linebacker. Brian Burns one of the top two or three best ends in the game coming off the edge. They have some defensive guys. Offense is a problem. While Foreman and Hubbard are interesting, look, the reality is they're kind of backups on any other team. They don't have a downfield threat. Sam Donald is an issue. The offensive line is an issue. And then you look at the Lions. The Lions, 
for all intents and purposes, are the hottest team right now, and everybody loves them. So the Lions should be inflated. But I don't think it's overly inflated. Then again, the Lions are a favorite on the road at this point in the season. Nobody would have thought about that. The Lions have won six games in seven weeks. Yeah, they are that good right now. The Lions are 7-0 and against the spread over their last seven games. They are cashing tickets. The Lions are also 4-2 and against the spread on the road this season, so they do do well uh, on the road. Carolina, by the way, 4-4 four and four against the spread at home, and 4-1 and one against the spread as a home underdog. So Carolina is cashing tickets as well. This is everybody in the country looking at the Lions. The question is, can you believe that the Lions, who have insanely different splits when they leave Detroit, can you believe that they will keep this up? Can you believe they're going to win another road game in a row? I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask a good team to win road game after road game, back-to-back, back-to-back-to-back road games. It's hard. And the Lions are in that position against a pretty good defense, but the Lions are rolling. The Lions have confidence. It's something that we, we have not seen in a while. The Lions are the better team. So this is one of those danger games. I don't use the word trap. Okay, It's only a trap if you fall into it, right? I don't use that, but I say it's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game because I see 82% of all the money coming in on the Lions, okay? 87% of the tickets coming in on the Lions. Lion really hasn't moved. And you got to kind of look at the Lions, look at the media hype on the Lions. Everybody's on the Lions. Everybody loves the Lions. This is the classic Detroit Lions letdown game. Yeah, my other buddy, Brian and Chris are, are my Detroit Lion friends, and uh, Brian would tell you right now that they're going to lose outright because, you know what? They're the Lions, right? And, and I mean, there's a lot of that going around as well for this game. Bills, Bears, last game we'll hit on before we take a break here. Bills are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Some money's coming out on the Bears. And, look, I get it. You look at Chicago, you look at Justin Fields and what he can do, and he keeps you in the game. Chicago has something special in Justin Fields, and he is one of those guys that is just hard to bet against because of that. Chicago's 3-2 and as a home underdog this season. The Bills at 3-3-1 against the spread is a road favorite. All right, so that's not terrible. But the Bills are only 2-6 and six against the spread over their last eight. They're becoming like the Kansas City Chiefs where they're just inflated line after inflated line and after inflated line. The Bills defensively, I don't—I I, I mean, I don't know if they're the best defense in the league anymore with San Francisco out there, but I don't think they're getting any credit at all. They're slowly getting healthy. They've been banged up all year. The Bills defensively should have some problems with Justin Fields just because everybody seemingly is having problems with him. But overall— it wouldn't shock me if they kept the Bears to you know a touchdown or two and 14 or less points. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if the Bills dominated the game on that side of the ball. But it's the other side that I want to talk about, right? Especially, by the way, uh, Tevin Jenkins looks like he might be out. St. Brown is going to be out for the Bears. So they're missing pieces on an offense that was already, you know, a little questionable. But it's the other side. Everyone's looking at the Eagles game. And I watched every minute of that game because I took the over in that game. And everyone's looking at the Eagles game and going, man, the Bears' defense played well. Look, the Eagles just played poorly on offense. I mean, they just did. The Bears' defense had allowed 27 or more points in six straight games going into that last week's game. The Eagles played poorly on offense. And by the way, Eagles missed a kick. There was an extra point miss. I mean, there's all kinds of points left out on that field. And there was special teams play was dominated by Chicago. So... I don't think that that game should have been as close as it was, specifically on the defensive side for the Bears. The Bears' defense didn't play overly well. Now you look at Josh Allen coming in. Josh Allen wants to make an MVP push. Josh Allen wants home field advantage. We know what kind of home field advantage Orchard Park can be come the playoffs, right? You know they want their first-round bye. The only team, only one team in each league gets a bye this year, right? So thinking about Patrick Mahomes coming there or you going to Patrick Mahomes, 
or you going to Cincinnati and facing Joe Burrow or Joe Burrow coming there. Yeah, you want home field advantage. So this game does mean a lot to Buffalo. It's not a look-ahead game. I know everyone's going, oh, it's a look-ahead game because you've got Cincinnati next. I don't think so. I think that the Buffalo Bills are well past the way of looking ahead. I think they have to concentrate on the here and now. And Josh Allen's coming off of a game where he threw for four touchdowns. He ran for a bunch of yards. He has taken back over the reins of being that exciting player. So as much as you look at Justin Fields, well, Josh Allen, they're not going to have any answers for it. The, the, the Bears just won't. For whatever reason last week, the Philadelphia Eagles decided to just not run the ball and go for a complete and utter throwing approach. And they had a lot of success throwing the ball. I know they didn't get to the 27 points, but they got to the mid-20s with just that. Look, you now take that and you go, what if Josh Allen does the same thing? If Josh Allen decides to just throw the ball all over, as much as Jalen Hurts might win the MVP this year— Josh Allen is a, is a better throw of the football. They have better wide receivers. They have a better supporting cast. I, I think that the Bears allow 30-plus here, and I just don't know if they could keep up. All right, let's take a quick timeout. We'll come on back. We'll go over the rest of the games on the board right after this, right here on Wagering Week. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now is the time to bring new ideas to your industry. And T-Mobile for Business has the advanced 5G solutions to make that happen. We're helping rethink patient-doctor interactions with real-time data sharing. We're tracking carbon with 5G sensors to help fight climate change. We're partnering with cities to connect roadways, cars, and drivers to minimize injuries. Disruptive thinking deserves a disruptive partner. So let's get started on what's next for your business. Step up your innovation at T-Mobile.com slash now. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, what are the odds? We have had a switch for the Defensive Player of the Year Award. Look, this is one of those awards that we love to talk about on the show. What are the odds? Well, Nick Bosa is now the favorite at minus 130. Micah Parsons is plus 100, basically even, Okay. Parsons, though, was minus 1,400 just about a month ago today. So Nick Bosa jumping out in the lead. Nick Bosa all of a sudden uh, is now the defensive MVP favorite. We're holding a ticket for Nick Bosa, and that is what are the odds. Hey, it tells you, right? Never rip up a ticket (laughs) and never just assume your win. Uh, Michael Parsons, uh, about a month ago, minus 1,400. We had Nick Bosa before the year, so that looks pretty good. Anybody that was listening to this show is sitting on a Nick Bosa ticket. You start, you start to feel bad there for a little while. Well, don't feel bad. Uh, things are looking up for us. All right, Saints and Browns. Browns trying to get into this thing, right? Before the year, we talked about Browns just wanted to kind of keep their head above water until Deshaun Watson came back. I didn't think that they did so. I thought that they were unable to kind of keep their head above water. I thought that basically, look, uh, their season was generally finished. It doesn't look like that is the case. They could get back into this thing. The Saints are at 5-9. and nine. 
Weirdly, the Saints still have a chance at the division. The Browns open up at three, three and a half point favorite. It, like I said, it's going to be brutal there. It's not only the cold weather uh, where it's going to be, you know, into the negatives with a wind chill or a feels like or whatever it is. But we're talking about 25 to 30 mile per hour winds for the Saints and Browns. Expect lots of running, which both the Saints and the Browns are saying, yeah, that's perfectly fine with us. Deshaun Watson last week, he finally started to look all right, I guess. I mean, Deshaun Watson still hasn't looked good. He was 18 of 28, 161 in a touchdown. Compared to him to the Deshaun Watson that we thought, and that's a terrible stat line, right? But eh, look, it's a, it's a running team. They ran the ball 33 times for 143 yards, and, and that was enough for them. This is going to be another ground game here. The Saints are going to, to do what they did last week, which was just run the ball all day long against the Falcons. That's what they did. But the Saints are a bad team to bet against when they leave the Superdome. And in this case, they're leaving the Superdome for really bad elements. They're 1-5 and five against the spread in that spot. New Orleans, by the way, they can be run on, and they showed that last week. They gave up 8.2 yards per carry to Tyler Algier, right? And this was with Desmond Ritter playing quarterback. So you knew that they were going to be running the ball all day was Atlanta. Atlanta comes in with a game plan that tells you we're running the ball all day, much like Cleveland comes in with a game plan saying we're going to run the ball all day. And if both teams are sitting there going, we're going to run the ball all day, and you still give up 8.2 yards per carry to their lead back, that's a problem. I'm worried about the Saints in this spot. Now, I don't know if I could go out there and really, you know, nose to the grindstone, take the Browns and Deshaun Watson minus points in any spot. I mean, they just haven't looked good enough to take points in any spot. But I will tell you, it is a dangerous proposition to think that all of a sudden the New Orleans Saints are going to start playing some defense because they have not looked good defensively all year. Saints, uh, moving over from the Saints to the Chiefs and Seahawks. Seahawks want to stay alive. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. I don't want to say that this is a must win, but it's getting to that time. For the Chiefs, they're 11-3. and three. three games left to leapfrog the Buffalo Bills for first overall. And, oh, by the way, they also have to leapfrog Cincinnati because if they have the same record, they lost to Cincinnati head up. So that's a problem. This line opened up at Chiefs minus 10. It's down to 9, 9.5. Not a lot of money coming in either way. Um, it, it's gone up to 10. It might go back to 10. The difference between 9, 9.5, and, and 10, not that great. If it goes to 10.5 or 11, well, then it starts to become something. The Seahawks are not the team that we once thought. Look, it looks like the Cinderella pumpkin has turned, right? The Seattle Seahawks are now 0-5 against the spread over the last five games. Seattle's looking like the team that we kind of thought. But wait a minute. Kansas City, I had mentioned earlier in the, game, uh, in the, the show, their games this year, and their games really for the last couple of years, do not cash for betters. They are 0-6-1 against the spread the last seven games. Now, Seattle's 3-3 three and three against the spread on the road. Chiefs, 1-4-1 against the spread at Arrowhead. They just don't cover. I mean, the Chiefs, through almost Mahomes' entire career, are just overvalued. They're overvalued because they're the Chiefs. They're overvalued because everybody falls in love with Patrick Mahomes, and they're overvalued in this spot, maybe. I look at this team, and I go, look, the Seattle Seahawks are without Tyler Lockett. That's a problem. Walker has not looked the same. Geno Smith has not looked the same. And they have one massive problem. That is, you could throw all day on Seattle. Well, here comes Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes that wants to stay in the MVP race. Patrick Mahomes that wants the number one overall seed. Patrick Mahomes who has not played well the last two weeks. And Patrick Mahomes is now at home. Yeah. Look, that is is one of those, whoa, wait a minute. Chiefs are going to romp. But wait a minute. The Chiefs actually in the last two games almost lost to the Broncos and Texans. To the Broncos and Texans. And a lot of that had to do not with Patrick Mahomes and the offense, but with their defense. 
So Seattle, can they find something to keep this game close? Can they find something that they had earlier in the season, whether we believed in them or not? They had something working in the beginning of the season. I think without Tyler Lockett, it's going to be a little too tough to expect some kind of upset here. But it wouldn't shock me if Seattle played tight the entire game. I thought KC was going to blow out the Texans last week. Now, you look at that game and you go without Damian Pierce for that game, without Cooks, without all kinds of weapons. He was still able to move the ball. The Chiefs' defense is getting worse as the season goes on. Giants, Vikings, Vikings 11-3, and three, Giants 8-5-1. and one. Vikings are about a 3.5 to a 4-point favorite. I've seen it as high as 4.5. Talk about the Vikings first. They pulled off the biggest comeback in NFL history. They were down 33-0 at halftime by the Colts. Got their 11th win of the year. They're in first place. People are talking about them as a Super Bowl team, as a home favorite. They're 4-3 against the spread. The Vikings are rolling right now. Dalvin Cook looks good. Kirk Cousins looks like the guy that they're paying all this money to. Justin Jefferson may be the best receiver in the league. Thielen looks good. Osborne looks good. I mean, let's just go down the list of guys that just flat out look good on this team. And it is expansive. But the defense is a problem. And I've said that all year long with the Vikings. Yes, it's great to sit back and say, yeah, you erased a 33-0 halftime lead. Uh, best of all time. But you got to look at the flip side of that and say, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was a Colts team that has had massive offensive problems all year. That was with a Colts team that didn't have Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's now been shut down for the year. Basically didn't play in that game. Okay? This is also a Colts team that Matt Ryan was the starting quarterback. Matt Ryan has now benched twice. Twice for Nick Foles and Sam Ellinger, okay? So let's not celebrate the idea that the Vikings can score because we know the Vikings can score. It's can they stop anybody. And so far, we haven't really seen that this year. Vikings are playing close games, but their defense is giving up big plays at big times. The Giants, Giants got an upset win on Sunday Night Football, an upset win in a spot where everything was against them. They were on the road. It was a primetime game. Uh, the Washington defense was playing really well, and Washington had like three weeks to prepare for the Giants. Giants got the win, though. Giants are 10-4 against the spread on the season. The Giants are making people money. And if the Giants win one of the next three games, basically they're in the playoffs. They got to go to the Vikings team where everyone is going to be on the Vikings. Everybody's loving the Vikings. I get it. And the line is rising. But I look at the Giants and I go, they could be feisty here. They could be feisty here because why would you know this not be a Brian Dayball throw out the kitchen sink type of game? And you start to look at the Giants' defense. Everyone's talking about the Jets' defense across town. Start looking at the Giants' defense with Thibodeau. Yeah, look, he was highly, highly picked in the draft. It's not like he came out of nowhere, right? You start to look at the Giants' defense. You go Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence is a pro bowler. You start to look at them. You go, wow, this could be a dangerous defense. The one thing I will say is that you can throw on the Giants' defense. Throwing on the Giants' defense has been a problem all year. And if you can throw on the Giants' defense, well, here comes Justin Jefferson. And, oh, by the way, here comes Thielen and Osborne. That could be a problem. Bengals-Patriots, one of the better games on the board. Everyone loves the Bengals right now, right? The Bengals are rolling. Bengals opened up as a three-point favorite. It's up to four uh, or more in some spots. Patriots are 7-7. Seven and seven. Patriots lost the game last week uh, against the Raiders because of that fluky play. We get it, but they may have lost the game anyway. The Patriots had that game in hand, and they had bad coaching. Look, I, I don't know if I've ever uttered those words out of my mouth ever in the history of Bill Belichick's reign, but the Patriots were poorly coached that game. You have to look at this as one of two ways. Was that a game that just demoralized the Patriots and says, man, you know what? I don't know if we could win. I, I don't know what is going on. We have bad coaching. We don't have the offensive uh, threats that we need. Uh, it, things are bad in New England right now, but they are 7-7. Seven and seven. They are playing tremendous defense. New England, you look and you go, they have to almost win out because they, their schedule is brutal from here on out. 
Patriots are 3-3 three three against the spread at Gillette. Not what we're used to, but it's a good team and it's a good defense. Cincinnati's 11-3 against the spread all year long. And Cincinnati's going to be having some healthy guys here. Higgins looks like he's healthy. Boyd looks like he's healthy. Chase looks like he's healthy. Uh, Joe Burrow is the guy. The one thing that matchup that you could talk about about Cincinnati is they give up a lot of sacks. And Matthew Judon right now is playing almost in a defensive MVP level. He's going to get after the quarterback. So they will have some pressure on them. You also need to run in Foxborough in December in these kind of temperatures. And Joe Mixon hasn't shown me that he could be the guy. Even though P. Ryan was okay for a while, but they haven't really committed to that. Now, if you want to talk about committing to the run, the New England Patriots have to get their running game going as well. They did all that against the Raiders. And basically, I mean, they almost beat the Raiders without the— I mean, Ramondre Stevenson was— was basically not out there, and without Harris at all. So their their primary focus is a running game, and they're using backups to backups. That's just reality. If Stevenson comes back for this game, if Harris comes back for this game, the Patriots could have one of these just these wild, I don't know how the Bengals kind of lost upsets. And we're all going to look back and go, well, you know why they couldn't lose? Well, you know what? It was whatever, five degrees. It was Foxborough. The wind was blowing. They played good defense. The ball you know, went one way, the other way, and New England ran the ball well. That's a formula that I think we could all say, yeah, I can absolutely believe would happen. I think it's a dangerous spot for Cincinnati. Everyone's loving on them, but they are on the road here. And it's a road game where I don't want to say that they're going to be overlooking them, but I did mention this with the Bills. They got a date coming up with Buffalo that is massively important to them. It's still a young team. I know they went to the Super Bowl. I know it's experienced in some areas, but they are still a young team as well. Texans, they got the one-win Texans here going to the Titans at 7-7. Seven and seven. Titans, well, they were about seven, seven-and-a-half-point favorites, and then they lost Ryan Tannehill. And Tannehill won't play in this game. It's going to be Malik Willis. A lot of people are saying, so what? I, I mean, really, a lot of people are going, so what? Doesn't, does it really matter? Look, it always matters uh, if you lose your starting quarterback. It, it just does. But I get the idea that, look, Tennessee is a running team first and foremost. Tennessee will be at home. Tennessee has owned series against the Texans. I mean, they just are, right? Uh, but the Titans are 0-3 and 1 against the spread the last four games. They have hit that wall. Texans are 6-7-1 against the spread on the year. They're only a game under. Houston has covered back-to-back games. They actually almost beat the Cowboys last week. They almost beat the Chiefs, right? And they were double-digit underdogs in both of those spots. The Titans, despite all kinds of things going in their favor, they may lose this division while the Houston Texans are sitting back with a big giant smile on their face and saying, no Braden Cooks, hey, we can play close. No Nico Collins, oh, we can play close. No Damian Pierce, oh, we can play close. But now, a lot of the rumors are coming out that Nico Collins might play. The, the reports were that Brandon Cooks actually practiced in full this week. I, you know, I know that Malik Willis is probably the future, but I don't care who you are. If you're a rookie quarterback going up against Lovey Smith and this Texans team that has just uh, thrown it all out there and said, "Hey, you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna throw it all out and and play like where our hair's on fire." It's a dangerous spot. I will give you this though: Derrick Henry should have a huge game. An absolutely huge game. And we've been saying that for a while. And I was a skeptic before the year that Derrick Henry would be able to last the year. I was concerned that the workload would eventually get to him. But Derrick Henry versus the Texans, his last four games against the Texans, let me give you the rundown, okay? 219 yards and two touchdowns. 250 yards and two touchdowns. 212 yards and two touchdowns. 211 yards and three touchdowns. Guys, 
over his last four games, he's averaged over 215 yards per game against the Texans. Average 200, and he's averaged over two touchdowns per game. Okay, the opening line opened up for his his uh, total. If you're a prop player, at about it, it, depending on where you're looking, opened up at about 104, 103 and a half. Uh, that's almost a gift. I mean, it's just almost a gift. If you go back through history, and you go through the history of the league, um, Jonathan Taylor, 161 and one is what he averaged against the Texans. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, if you go back through the history of the league, uh, nobody's really owned the Texans like that. If you go back through this this year, who has owned the Texans? Jonathan Taylor ran for 161 and a touchdown. Khalil Herbert, 157 and two touchdowns. Josh Jacobs, 143 and three touchdowns. Saquon Barkley, 152 and one touchdown. Derrick Henry, 219 and two touchdowns already this season. If you are a prop player, uh, I, I think you, you take the alternate line. Give me the highest alternate run total for Derrick Henry the if it's minus one, you know, if it's one fifty, but they're playing paying you out four to one, take it, take it. If you could find somebody out there to give you a one fifty, one sixty, take it all day. And I'm taking Derek Henry to score two touchdowns, definitely one, but you're gonna have to pay for one. I'll take him to score two on a nice little prop play. All right, let's get into Commanders Niners. Washington is going to get Chase Young back, and it's been 13 weeks. It's been uh, that we've been sitting back and, and saying, oh, he's coming back soon, you know, because he was on IR and he was allowed to come back in uh, week three. No, no, he's coming back soon. He's coming back soon. He's coming. Well, oh, he's back. That should give a little a little oomph to this offense. And the Niners look like world beaters, and that's why they opened up as a nearly touchdown favorite here. The Niners look like the best team in the NFC. The Niners are rolling people. The Niners are, Niners are throwing out backups to backup quarterbacks, and it doesn't matter. But Washington is dangerous. And not only is Washington dangerous because they are in a must-win spot, but they're also dangerous because they're getting a little jolt from Chase Young, and they feel like they were robbed last week. And let's be honest, they were robbed last week. So that might give them that extra little motivation, right? I mean, that that might. The Niners are 9-2 nine and two against the spread of the last 11 home games. They've covered 73% of the last 26 games overall. The Niners are awesome right now. The Niners are coming off of extra rest. The Niners are awesome right now. The Niners are also 7-0 with Christian McCaffrey on their team. The Niners are awesome right now. But something's telling me that they shouldn't be laying a touchdown to anybody. Something's telling me that that this is a game where you just want to run the ball uh, and kind of get out of town, right? I mean, that that's just the seemingly the formula to run the ball, eat the clock, and get out, you know, get get the win and get out. I could see this being a three-point game. I could see Washington hanging in there. If there's one Achilles heel to the secondary is that you can throw deep on them, and Terry McLaren and Dotson in that group, they can go deep. Eagles-Cowboys is open as a one-point spread. It's up to six and a half in favor of the Cowboys at home. Jalen Hurts won't play. It's going to be Gardner Minshew. And you looked at this went from one to two, two to six, six to six and a half. And I get it. Look, Jalen Hurts is the proverbial MVP of the league, and he should be. But Dallas, look, you look at what Dallas and both these teams are eight and six against the spread. Okay, Philly's just two and five against the spread on the road. Philly didn't look great against the Bears last week, and Dallas has something to prove. You can talk about the Jacksonville collapse, but maybe Dallas was looking ahead. It does happen, guys. The home team has covered seven of his last eight matchups at home in this rivalry. And Dak Prescott, he's got nine interceptions against the zone this year, seven of them in his own territory. Well, Philly does play zone, but they play a different kind of zone, so I don't know if that's going to necessarily hurt Dak so much. They're going to lean on the running game, of course, as they should. 
this is the game of the day that everybody wants to hyped up to be. But I don't think it's the game of the day for Philly. I think it's the game of the day for Dallas. The incentive here for Philly is to kind of let up. Now, I think Gardner Mission is going to play well, and he played well the last time he saw Dallas. But there's no way you could get me to take Philly plus the points here. I think Dallas probably wins the game. I also don't love laying nearly a touchdown. Raiders, Steelers. Steelers are climbing back into this thing. Raiders and Steelers, by the way, both 6-8. and eight. In what look, this is a playoff game. I mean, this is an elimination game. You can't go six and nine and expect to crawl back into this thing. And you could say, Tom, you know, the Raiders and Steelers aren't crawling back in anyway. Well, the Raiders Steelers are two point favorites here. Uh, they are at home. It's supposed to be, like I said, it, it, freezing, freezing temperatures. The Raiders are coming off of an improbable win, but that's kind of what the Raiders do. They did take on a really good defense and still had some success. Pittsburgh is sitting here two, three, and one against the spread at home. You don't see that from Tomlin. The Raiders are three and five against the spread on the road. You do see that from the Raiders. They're three and twelve against the spread uh, against teams with a losing record. So they play down to their competition. They don't play well on the road. And the Raiders' defense, look, this Raiders' defense has been bad all year long. Okay, that's what they are. This Raiders' defense going into last weekend gave up twenty-one passing touchdowns and only had four interceptions. So don't expect. You know, Kenny Pickett to be making all kinds of mistakes against this team because they're just not a team that forces those mistakes. I think that, that Najee Harris could have a big game. We watched the Raiders' defense get run all over, and they usually get run all over. I think Najee Harris could have a big game. I think Tomlin at home in this spot is in a dangerous spot. Packers, Dolphins. Dolphins were almost a touchdown favorite here, and it went down to like four, four and a half. Why? Because the Packers won. The Packers could sneak back in. Look, the Packers look good against an inept, horrendous Rams team that had Baker Mayfield in the building for like eight days. Let's not make too much about it because the Dolphins on Sunday should really control this game. And if they don't, then we got serious problems with Miami. Look, Miami's defense right now, points per game, the 27th. Yards per game, the 23rd. Yards per play, they're 17th. Uh, rushing their 10th, rushing against their 10th, passing against their 27th, interceptions at 29th, takeaways at 29th, sacks per per attempt, their 18th, third downs at 27th, red zone, their 25th. Their defense is not very good. But they, you see the one thing that I just mentioned, the one thing that they're top 10, rushing yards against. As good as everybody wants to say Aaron Rodgers is, and as much as he looked okay on Monday night, the reality is, is that was an Aaron Jones and Dylan show. They ran all day. If you can't run on Miami, you're not going to have success, even with these numbers. A lot of these numbers are also inflated defensively because teams are trying to come back. Green Bay is in a spot here where the Packers are 3-4 and four against the spread on the road, but people are starting to buy into Green Bay. And it didn't take long. Look, it took one Monday night game for everybody to go, oh, wait a minute, Green Bay might be back. They might be Green Bay. I'm not buying it. Miami's back at home. They're 4-2 and two against the spread at home this year, okay? They go back to the last 28 games. They're 20-8 and eight against the spread at home. They just flat out want to win at home, and they cover at home. They are getting healthier. Tyreek Hill had been banged up. Waddle had been banged up. Uh, you know, behind Mostert, they had their running back. Wilson banged up. Look, they've had been banged up. And, oh, by the way, Tua did not make the Pro Bowl. If you think that's a small thing, it's not. That will be a little incentive as well. Green Bay, you, you look at this Green Bay team and you go, okay, their offense, you're going to talk about their offense and this and that. Their defense is a problem. They're allowing five yards per carry. They are getting run all over, guys, and they are really in a dangerous spot here because Mostert looked real good last week. Broncos, Rams, I just mentioned the Rams, completely inept Rams. I'm not buying into the Baker Mayfield nonsense. I'm not buying into this team. I think the season's over officially for them. There's no juice left, but they're playing the Broncos. 
who their season might have been over for a while. The line's about one. Broncos open at a one-point favorite. It's about one right now where it stands. Denver has been terrible, but Russell Wilson might be coming back. And Latavius Murray looked really good, 130 rushing yards last week. He's not getting good yards per carry, but he looked good. Denver seeking its first win in the States, right? Uh, the Seahawks are, are uh, one of the teams that, in front of them, they are they are praying that Denver keeps losing because the Seahawks own the Broncos pick. The Lions actually own the Rams pick. So from a draft standpoint, it's kind of interesting. Latavius Murray, he's going to be the guy. You can tell me that he's he's stiff, he's old, he's everything else. Had 130 yards and a touchdown last week. Rams 3-5 and five against the spread at home. Denver's 2-4 and four against the spread on the road. Don't go near this game. I mean, look, the Denver defense has a lot to build on. The Denver defense is very good. They're the best unit that's going to be out there. Uh, but I think that the Rams, by announcing Matt Stafford, announcing I'm coming back, I think there's internal discussion. They weren't sure if Donald was coming back. They weren't sure if McVay, he's constantly in conversation. Well, maybe he's looking to get into broadcasting and step away. There was conversation about Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford coming out this week and saying, I'm coming back next year. That means that him and McVay and Donald said, we're going to run it back one more time. We're not going out like this. We're not going out in this situation. But with Matthew Stafford coming out and saying that this week, I think that you can see where the Rams' mindset is, and that's to the offseason. They're already turned the page. They're already looking to next year. They're already done. So the Broncos still want to salvage a little something and maybe try to save the guy's job, you know, that we're all thinking should be fired and hack it. It's something to, to consider here. When you're talking about this game, I think the Rams are looking to the future. Thinking about the future, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to to the future. Okay, let's go bet to the future. Bet to the future. We talked about the MVP race, and Jalen Hurts was leading, so let's talk about it now. Bet to the future, we bring us, brings us to the MVP race. Patrick Mahomes has now opened up at minus 275 to win the MVP after the Jalen Hurts injury news happened. Before this, Mahomes was plus 140, uh, and you could go back just just earlier this week. Jalen Hurts was minus 150 earlier in this week, uh, and then he went to about plus 140, uh, seemingly overnight. Mahomes went from minus 275, but he, you could have got him at plus 450 just uh, about five or six games ago so or five or six days ago and not even you don't have to go back to a full game Patrick Mahomes leading the race here that is bet to the future by the way Patrick Mahomes needs 982 yards over the final three games to pass Peyton Manning for the most in a season that's going to be a tall order 982 that's a that's a tall order I don't know if he's going to get there um he would have to have a monster game probably this week Right. Because, I mean, you look at it. Yeah, he can, you know, the Chiefs can. I, I First of all, I don't think they're going to rest him, you, you know. So I don't think that the Chiefs are going to rest Patrick Mahomes at all. But it could get interesting if he does have a chance at that. Look, he's got the Broncos and the Raiders. So I don't think he's going to get that chunk. He's going to need 325 in each one of the games, right? Three, 330 or so. To me, he needs one chunk, like 400-yard game. Because against the Broncos, he's not throwing for 350 against the Broncos, right? So let's say he could get to almost three against the Broncos. That means he would have 682 between the last two games. If the Chiefs need that game against the Raiders, he could throw for 400 yards in that game. But I think it's this week. I I think that if he wants to make a, a... 
you know, a goal to win that. And I don't know if he does, but I'm sure he does. If he wants to make a goal to beat that record, he's got to have a huge, huge monster week this week. All right, let's talk about Buccaneers, Cardinals. Look, the Bucs look bad. Bucs are, are, are terrible. Everyone's down on the Bucs, but they open up as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The Bucs are 6-8. and eight. The Bucs are in first place. They, they blew a 17-point lead to the Bengals, yet they're more than a field goal road favorite against the Cardinals. The Cardinals, Kyler Murray is down. Colt McCoy, we don't know if he's going to play. It doesn't look like it. And the Bucs are 2-4 and four against the spread on the road. Bucks are 1-10-1 against the spread the last 12 overall games. Oh, my goodness. They are just like the Chiefs. They just flat out do not make betters money. But the Cardinals might be worse. 3-10 and against the spread last 13 home games. Now, Tom Brady took a lot of flack this week from everybody. Tom Brady admitted, look, I am flat out just not playing uh, like I should. Tom Brady has said uh, 100% that he just is not where he needs to be. Tom Brady's been giving the ball away. I just don't see that happening. Look, it looks like one of those games where we are going to know a lot about Tom Brady at the end of this game. To me, this is the game where either Tom Brady steps up, dominates, shows us all, wait a minute, this could be a dangerous team. Wait till they start getting guys back. By the way, they're going to get a couple of offensive linemen back here in the next couple of weeks for the playoff run. And all of a sudden, you could be fearful of the Bucks like you were in the first half last week. Or is this Brady sinking away and just, look, time caught up with him? Internally, the more reports that I hear, the more people that are internally are saying through the Bucks organization, they don't think Brady's the problem. They think it is this offensive line. The offensive line has been dreadfully bad. Obviously, they have a, a million injuries. But Tristan Wirfs is coming back. He's their best offensive lineman. That could be a difference maker. I don't know if he's going to get back for this game, but I want to see something for Brady here. Show me that you could be dangerous in the playoffs. All right, final game, Monday night football. After all the eggnog and cookies are drank and eaten, all the presents are opened up and you get to big sigh of relief, don't forget about a game that can make you money. Chargers, 8-6. and six, Colts, 4-9-1. and one. Chargers are a three-and-a-half point favorite. I'm stunned that it isn't more. I'm stunned. First of all, Matt Ryan has been benched again. And there's no Jonathan Taylor. So Jonathan Taylor being out is already a pretty big impact here. But Matt Ryan's benched again. And once again, just like I thought last time, it's a mistake. Matt Ryan was benched now for two different quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, uh, you could blame him. Well, you know what? You're on the back end of the two biggest losses in history, the biggest uh, playoff loss to, you know, to in the Super Bowl loss, and, and now the biggest regular season. Come on. Is it really Matt Ryan? I don't think Matt Ryan is a good quarterback at this stage in his career. No, I don't. Do I think Matt Ryan's better than Nick Foles? Yes, I do. Do I think that Matt Ryan's better than Sam Ellinger? Yeah. And what is this doing? I mean, why is Jeff Saturday going with Nick Foles in this spot? You know, he's not the future. We know that. So why is he going to Nick Foles instead of Ellinger? Maybe Jeff Saturday just really wants this job. And he feels like if I could pull off a couple of wins here, well, this Los Angeles win would be one of those eye-opening wins. Los Angeles, you look at this, this opened at a two and a half point favorite. So not only did the Chargers open at two and a half, they had to get to the three, cross the three, and now it's more than three. That's crossing a lot. LA's five and two against the spread the last seven road games, so they do do well in that spot. And the Colts are three and three against the spread at home. Um, it is in Indianapolis. It's a game that Jeff Saturday has clearly shown his team. He wants to win. They want to compete. You've got to go out there and, and show everybody that we're not just kind of dead in the water. Yeah, I get that. But Jeff Saturday's teams have been outscored in the fourth quarter, 89 to seven. They, they are just not, not playing well in the fourth quarter. There's just no way around it, guys. And you look at a Chargers team 
that I've been down on for years. And I every year I go, hey, they're one of the more talented teams. But, and the big but is that, look, the Chargers just, for whatever reason, Chargers going to charge her. Right? I mean, that's the thing. That's what the kids are saying nowadays, right? Chargers going to charge her. And Justin Herbert's still under 500 for his career. And Justin Herbert is is bad against the spread, still under 500 uh, you know, against the, for his career against the spread. He just doesn't cover numbers. I get it all. But Justin Herbert has looked massively different since Keenan Allen has come back. Now you got Allen. Now you got Williams. You still have Eckler. Their offense is good, but it's the defense with Khalil Mack. And now Joey Bosa might be coming back and Derwin James. All of a sudden, you want that dark horse. People going, eh, maybe the Chargers get red hot here. I need to see it. I need to see the Chargers not only go out there and win games that I guess you're quote-unquote supposed to win, but I want to see them win games like this on Monday night where they squash their opponent. They need to show me that they belong in the playoffs instead of just getting kind of ritually righted into the playoffs. All right, guys, it's going to do it for me. I will talk to you before New Year's, but to everybody out there, Merry Christmas. I hope you guys have a really good uh, holiday. It is a weird setup this week where the bulk of the games is on Saturday, but enjoy Christmas, enjoy Christmas Eve, making all that money. But don't forget to get your bets in. Don't let the weekend kind of get away from you. It is a weekend that you can still make money and make sure that you do. Even those prop plays, I know they don't come out, you know, in some places until Thursday or Friday. Make sure that you could get in on everything. I know it's going to be hectic for everybody. Enjoy your holiday, everybody. I'll talk to you guys before New Year's. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com/offer/seriousxm. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. 